0: Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Would you grab your Bibles tonight? Would you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3? Just a moment. important that we feast upon the heart of the Lord. It's a mad mad world we live in. Isn't it? It's a mad mad world we live in. It's so important that when we come together in any setting but corporately that we feast upon the heart of the Lord so that we're refueled. We all need refueled. We need refreshed tonight. And we've received it right out of the presence of the Lord right out of the heart of God. We've received it. it's so important. So be encouraged tonight. Are you encouraged? Yes. Me too. Me too. This is such a blessing. This, this is a special blessing. I'm just starting to kind of take it in. It's a really special blessing. Pastor Gene, thank you so much. I love you. Love you so much. You have a hard time finding this place tonight with our our new address. (laughs) We've got some dear friends that are here from from Ohio, and uh, they were looking all over for us, and and we had moved, and they didn't know it. So glad to see you guys tonight. Welcome. You're already family, so it's just wonderful to have you tonight all the way from Ohio, Pennsylvania. So great to have you. Love you. Are you in Second Timothy chapter three? Yes. <clears throat> Thank you, Cody. I don't know how this word <clears throat> actually—it's <I laughs> never premeditated how I really think a word is going to come out. And sometimes I feel like I'm teaching. Sometimes I just feel like I'm exhorting. Sometimes I'm—I'm I'm preaching. Um, sometimes I feel like. I'm in a prophetic mode, um, but it's never really premeditated how the word ends up just really pouring through my heart to come and to give to our body. So would you just, however it starts coming, would you just receive it? Would you do that? However it starts coming, would you just receive it? Amen. So we thank you for your word, Lord, as we set our attention. set our attention to your word, O God. Thank you for your presence, but we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Second Timothy, I'm going to begin to read out of the Passion Translation, if you have the Passion Translation. In verse 1, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. Hmm. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things and they will strut around in their arrogant pride and they will mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, They will act without restraint, bigoted, and wrapped in the clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of the world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God. Everybody see that? They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality... They want nothing to do with God's power. I saw a video this week of Chelsea Clinton, the daughter of Bill and Hillary Clinton, saying that she is deeply, deeply religious and that it would be very unChristian to abolish Roe v. Wade and do away with abortion. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality... Let's stay in reality. They want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these, for they are the ones who worm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women, spending the night with those who captured by their lust and steeped in sin. They are always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of the truth. History has given us an example of the Egyptian sorcerers, Janus and Jamborees, who stood against Moses in their arrogance. So it will be in the last days with those who reject the faith, with their corrupt minds and their arrogant hearts, standing against the truth of God, standing against the truth of God. This is why we need a desperate intake and infilling freshly all the time of the Holy Spirit. It is a mad, mad world we're living in. Tonight I want to speak to you uh, along the subject lines of a Reformation generation a reformation generation. And I believe that we are in for a historic, historic course correction here in America. Honey, would you take that? Our minds have to be renewed to the fact that God is able to bring America into a historic course correction. There is a a pitiful poverty way of thinking in church circles that is okay with the world getting worse and worse and darker and darker. They're okay with that. They're okay with things just plummeting because, don't you understand, this is the way that it's just supposed to be. This is the way of the world. This is, let me ask you a question. Would you believe that way or over your own children? Let me ask you one more time. Would you believe that way over your own children? Would that be acceptable unto you if you saw your son or your daughter going wayward and you would just say, hey, that, that's what they've chosen to do. Know everything within you. Every, everything within you would be to battle for the very soul, for the very destiny, for the very purpose of your children. Come on. I believe the Lord wants to give us a heavenly vision for America. I believe the Lord wants us to... To have a renewed mind, a renewed heavenly perspective so that we can have a course correction. Because that's what God is longing to do. He is longing to avert judgment in this hour. Hear that again. He is longing. He is longing to avert judgment in this hour. He's a good God. He's a good father. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to read out of the New King James. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to begin to read in verse 16. It says, These six things the Lord hates, Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. That's strong, isn't it? That's strong. Six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. I want to focus tonight right here, hands that shed innocent blood. Those of you that have been around our ministry for any time at all know that this message is not an anomaly tonight. It is a message that we run with consistently and carry because we run with a fire and a passion For all that we run with, that we would burn in personal revival, that we would literally see national awakening, and that we would move into the day of generational reformation. Generational reformation. And I want to focus tonight on something that's very difficult where we're at, but it needs to be spoken about. Because I believe we are the answer. I believe you are the answer. You are the salt and the light. You are the power of God made manifest. You, you and I are the power of God made manifest. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. We are his presence. We are his fire. We are his light. We are his light bearers. We are the carriers of his mighty glory and presence. In Jeremiah chapter 8, Jeremiah is addressing a wayward Israel that has just run amok, and they have become a literal embarrassment to the nations. They have forsaken God so horrifically. And Jeremiah starts in verse 12, and he says, were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? No. No. They were not ashamed at all, nor did they know how to blush. Does everybody see those words? Does everybody see those words? They were not ashamed at all, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall, and in the name, or excuse me, and in time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. What is he saying here? He was saying that their very consciousness, their conscience and their soul was dead. They weren't even able to blush in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their waywardness, in the midst of their perversion. They weren't even able to blush before God. Their conscience was dead. I want you to hear my heart tonight. In no way do I want to come off just being provocative tonight. I want to come to you with straightforward truth. Are you okay? I've said this a number of times, and I I realize that I may offend someone in here. You need to know that is not the motive of my heart. (laughs) But I have also laid aside the fantasy that everyone is going to like me. And I have also laid aside the fantasy that everyone is going to receive the message or the messenger. But this is important. God's Word has to be my final authority. You need to write it down tonight. You need to write it down for your family. God's Word has to be my final authority. It has to be. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, spoken in love, spoken in authority, spoken with compassion, can bring literal change and transformation. We are being asked to go into schools and just sit, to just counsel people and not be able to use the authority of the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, the authority is in that name. The authority is not sitting for 12, 24, 36 weeks with students and just listening to them and being loving and being doting or being a father or being a mother. The power is in the name of Jesus. The authority is in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Every vile deception that is tormenting the young people of this generation. They need the name of Jesus declared over their lives, spoken over their destiny, and revealed over their identity. Come on, are you with me tonight? You and I cannot remain silent. I want to say this tonight. It is not just the job of people that stand in the pulpit. It is every one of us, every one of our job, to declare and to be bold, to speak the love of God, the Word of God, compassionately, with love, with authority, and in truth. Are you with me tonight? I was reminded of something I went through about four years ago. I was invited to speak and minister at a very large, what you would call a mega church And after the message, I was taken privately behind closed doors, and I was rebuked, and I was reprimanded highly for speaking about the issue of abortion and speaking about homosexuality. I was embarrassed for that minister, actually. And I told him eye to eye, face to face, I said, I'm embarrassed for you Because right now, it's just you and I and the Holy Spirit in this room, and He's listening to everything that you're saying to me, and I'm embarrassed for you because you're masquerading behind playing it safe. You're acting like it's the call of wisdom, but you're in deception. You're afraid, and I feel sorry for you. I know that's hard. You know, George Orwell wrote these words. In his famous book, 1984, he said, In times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. It's prophetic. <laughs> so prophetic. We can be silent no more, ladies and gentlemen. I am recognizing, and I, I want to keep just feeding this vocabulary into our family. I am recognizing that God is building a powerhouse house. This is becoming an embassy, an embassy of heaven of ambassadors and messengers that God is going to thrust you. He's going to ekbellow you, as Lou Engle would say. He will ekbellow you. He will cast you out into the harvest field. He wants to send you as his ambassador, his messenger. I'm speaking to you tonight as such. Are you with me? We can be silent no longer. I had a call, and I'm not going to reveal the name of this pastor. He's a very prominent pastor. He's known nationally. He's actually known very well internationally. I was on the phone with him, and he shared with me that recently he had went into his prayer closet, and he repented with tears before God because he told me he said Brian in 40 years of ministry i have only spoke one time publicly on the issue of abortion and why it's an abomination unto god a strong and it just keeps resonating in my heart, and I can hear his voice, I can hear his brokenness. In 40 years, he shared some of the private fears that he's had about addressing this issue. It's a terrible issue. What we are going through as a people of this nation, what we, were, what we are going through in this generation in this culture, it literally, right now, it literally should be stopping everyone in their tracks to take a hard look at what is happening in America. Before I go any farther, I, I, I have to proclaim this and say it again over the family that I lead. Anytime that Anytime that authentic power... An authority gets in proximity of a demon spirit or a demon power, it knows its time is short. You got to walk with me through this for a moment. Anytime true, authentic spiritual authority and power gets in proximity of a demon spirit, that demon spirit will begin to just go off. It knows its time is short. It knows it's about to flee. What does it do? It begins to harm that individual. It begins to ruin the very dignity of that individual. Why? Because it knows its time is short to be cast out. I'm not guessing on this. I believe with all of my heart that right now, From coast to coast, this is why we are seeing such a vile vomiting of the pit of hell, of what what seems everything demonic concerning this issue of abortion. I believe time is short. I believe, I believe very soon. We are going to see abortion abolished legislation overturning Roe v. Wade and removing the curse of innocent bloodshed from the United States of America. It will be so. It will be so. It will be so. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Let it be so! Woo! And I want to go on to declare that the Lord's burning holy fire will purge and cleanse the Supreme Court of the United States of America and reformation and the honor and the fear of Almighty God will return. And that gate that the enemy has used to unleash untold vile and filth on this nation, it shall be closed And righteousness and justice shall come to this land. Through the Supreme Court and legislation that honors our God will win the day in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. It's going to happen. The abomination is going to be erased from this nation. The abomination. God hates it. God hates it. We have, we have unbelievable, amazing women in this church who suffered the shame, the agony, the pain of abortion. I could hand them the mic tonight. They could tell you their testimony of grace and power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that delivered them. God is a good God. He's a God who forgives. He's a God who loves mercy that triumphs over judgment. Are you with me? We can be silent no longer. We can be silent no longer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was the German uh, pastor. He's the anti-Nazi dissident that I wrote about at length in my book. Bold as lions. He spoke out early against Hitler. He spoke out early against the Third Reich. He spoke out evil against the, just all the vileness that was being unleashed upon Germany. Throughout his story, he, he literally ran for his life. He and other theologians, they had a Bible school, they had a training school, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of his best friends, Karl Barth, who was an amazing theologian, and other friends. They were literally running from the Gestapo, running for their lives in hiding to try to keep their school of ministry going and teaching. Think of that. Think of that. I think about things like this all the time. What they had to do to literally keep the fire burning the dangers that they were in, the peril that they had to get away from. In the book, The Cost of Discipleship, we're going to begin to provide these at our bookstore, The Cost of Discipleship, absolutely powerful by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is what he said, and I want you to consider his words tonight. You may want to write them down. He said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. One more time, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless, he said. Not to speak is to speak. Did you hear that? Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Did you hear that tonight? Martin Luther King Jr., he said these words. He said, To ignore evil, we become an accomplice to it. Wow! If we ignore evil, we become an accomplice to it. These words ring so loud and clear, specifically for the church that is in America right now. Right now. But, folks, there is an evil. There is a real evil. That is even surpassing the levels of the Holocaust, of what we know from the wiles of the Third Reich, from Hitler. We have surpassed 60 million human souls and destinies since my birth year, my wife's birth year, 1973. And now we have moved from just killing babies. Now we're dismembering them. Now we're selling their body parts. Now we're murdering struggling infants who have survived the brutality of an abortion. America's losing its soul. Did you hear me? America's losing its soul remember you're part of the answer remember that you're part of the answer jeremiah 8 and 12 one more time i got to read it to you again were they unashamed with the abomination that they had committed no they were not at all ashamed nor did they know how to blush a strong language recently the the planned parenthood they They released a new campaign. And the campaign, excuse me tonight, is the Freedom to F-U-C-K. That is their new campaign. Everybody breathe in this room. It is the Freedom to F-U-C-K. And they have rallied celebrities who are now supporting them on a traveling crusade of celebrating their abortions, of speaking out, of sharing how many abortions they've had, which one was the greatest. You can find this online if you dare to do it. If you dare to just go to YouTube and find out what is happening in America, the very celebration, they can't even blush about it. I know this is difficult. I know this is difficult, but the movement they're saying is to shout your abortion. Shout your abortion. In other words, they're telling us now, you can brag about your abortion. Go ahead and brag about it. Come on out about it. See, my point tonight is this, is that America is in desperate need of an awakened conscience. America is in desperate need of an awakened conscience. In Psalm 119, put it in your notes tonight. Don't just look at a screen. Put it in your notes. Psalm 119, verse 53. It says, horror has taken a hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake your law horror has taken hold upon me. Listen, I know the strength that's in this body. I know the amazing people that I have the privilege, my wife and I have the privilege of leading and building and strengthening and edifying and refueling. I know who's in here. But I also know there is so much of the portion of the church who has insulated their lives so hard they it's it's like working a full-time job they have worked so hard so hard to insulate their world and their lives from any of this kind of information trafficking in their family or in their world we need to stay educated we need to keep our eagle vision open And if so, we need to let God break our hearts to look at the despicable things that are an abomination to Him. We need to be moved and broken. As I wrote in my book, my first book, as I was there in Dallas, and I wrote these words, I said, look into the darkness and do not turn your face away from it. Look into the darkness and let God break your heart. Look into the darkness until you can begin to hear the cry that's coming up out of our cities. Look into the darkness until you can begin to be moved and feel the pain. Look into the darkness until God can break open your deep wells of compassion once again. It's hard to look at this stuff. It's hard to speak of this stuff. It's hard to look you in the eyes and say some of these things as your leader, as your pastor, whoever I am to you. But I wonder at times where the church really is. I wonder where the heart of the church is. And I'm talking universally. Where is our heart? Where is our outrage? Where where is the sting of shame and pain? And why aren't we weeping? the last three, four weeks, I've watched people just put stuff out on social media, and I've said, oh God, you know, I've got got plenty to say myself, I've got plenty to say, but have I been broken? Have I been able to shed tears? And God, I don't want to say anything unless I can shed tears. I don't want to say anything unless my heart is truly in union with you. I want my heart to be in union. I want my heart to be broken. I want my heart to be moved. I want to feel what you feel, Lord. Before I write, before I speak, I want to feel what you feel. And I'm going to tell you, see, part of this journey is that so many Christians... Are insulating their lives from really feeling the pain and the agony of the Lord, or dare I even say the word, to begin to hate the things that God hates? To begin to literally hate the things that God hates. Can can we go there? Can we go there to begin to hate the things that God hates? It doesn't mean that you hate people, it means that you hate every diabolical sin that is robbing them from a life of beauty in God, a life that is blessed, a life that is kissed with the favor of God, the goodness of God. It means you begin to hate every wicked and vile chain that keeps them as a prisoner. Are you with me? I have to say that it is not just my job or anybody behind a pulpit to denounce this evil. You. You. My friends, you have to denounce this evil. I was talking to a dear friend in ministry the other day, and we said together, we said, this is what revival looks like in this hour. It is the abolishing of abortion. This is what revival looks like. Our minds have to be renewed to this. If we don't, we will keep going to great meetings, being inspired, being fed, and the enemy will just keep discipling and destroying America. We have to begin to get into the real fight. Y'all okay? Y'all okay? This is the right message for the right night We've been in heavenly places, and you still are. I'm not dragging you through a mud puddle right now. This is good for you. You all okay? I ask you tonight, what have we really become? One of our founders, John Adams, he said these words. He said, our Constitution, listen to these words. This is, this is wild. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Those powerful words. Thomas Jefferson, remember him? The United States third president. This is what he said. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and this is what he he warned us. He said, God who gave us life and liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure When we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of people that these liberties are a gift from God, that they are not to be violated, but with His wrath. Indeed, I tremble. Hear these words. Hear these words. Hear these words. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, and that is justice cannot sleep forever. This is why, this is why this church, this family, this community has chosen to burn at this level of frequency. This is why we make commitments and vows not to just be some place where people can stop in and get some good inspirational sprinklings. Are you with me? Never wanted to be that guy just putting little foo-foo on the donuts. Never wanted to be that guy glazing the donuts. Are you feeling my heart tonight? We made decisions long ago that God had wooed us to His holy fire, to the heartbeat of His presence, and we had to respond, and we're still responding. We are in a process of responding to God continually, saying, I receive your holy fire. Whatever you have to do in me, do in me. Do your holy work in me, God. Transform me. Cause me to humble myself. I will yield to you. Whatever it is, We wanted to be a people that would burn at the right frequency for the heart of God to drop on us in such a way that people would say heaven is touching earth. Psalm 119, verse 136, it said, rivers of water run down my eyes because men do not keep your law. I had an experience 25 years ago, we just crested into March, but I had an experience 25 years ago, I was 20 years old, I was serving a revivalist, and he was invited to speak at the Pentagon, and we were in Washington, D.C. I had just joined his staff, and we left Lakeland, Florida in a flurry. (laughs) We left Lakeland, Florida, we went straight to Washington, D.C., he was asked to speak at the pentagon that meeting was absolutely riveting <laughs> i told my wife today you hear of these stories of how people's life they it, it passes right before their eyes before death i don't know how they interviewed those people or got that information i, I really don't know <laughs> It's still, it's, it's up for grabs. But here recently, it's like the Lord has been thrusting me into that moment in the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. and reminding me and taking me through a very quick snapshot of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was going to hit America and that we would be right in the middle of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And as I sat and listened to the man that I was serving, God just began to quickly show me a quick snapshot of power being unleashed and being unveiled upon the United States of America. And I saw my place in the ranks. And I believe, I believe, we are coming into a day where we're gonna we're gonna move beyond and, and boy was it good tonight. We're gonna move from just the songs and the declaration to where we're gonna see visible unleashings of the power, the dutymus of the Holy Ghost that's going to so stun, stun America. Stop it in its tracks and look to behold the glory of God. I've told this dream before, and and I'm going to tell it quickly. I had a dream, this very strange dream, and I was in the Ohio State University football field, and it was filled with thousands of campus students, and I was on the football field walking. There was probably 300 bodies of university students that they they were flopping like fish that had been caught out of a lake and you just throw the fish up on the pond. Their bodies were just pulsating under demon powers. And me and this team of ministers, we were walking through this field and we were delivering them by the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. This was a visible unleashing of power that was confronting the forces of darkness. And international news was there capturing these moments. I remember waking up and the Lord, the Lord had been dealing with me about these silly safe spaces that were, they'd been putting up. And the Lord told me, He says, my idea of safe spaces is different from everybody else. And the safe spaces that are coming is going to be where God is visibly unleashing His power and His anointing and His glory. That's going to be the safe space. People will run into the safe space because it's safe to run home to a good father. It's safe to run home to a good father. It's safe to run home to a good father. Rivers of water, they run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. I remember months ago, and I was speaking a message called Try Tears. I think everyone will remember that message concerning what we released that night. Try Tears. I don't want us to move away from a place of brokenness because it keeps us humble. I don't want us to move away from God putting His heart on our heart so that we ever get running in a way that seems to be our own strength or our own ability or our own voice or our own opinions, and opinions that are like noses, everyone has one, but that we would run in such a way that God would lay His heart upon us, that we would stay broken. It doesn't mean you, you can't speak with authority and power and unction but it means that it comes from a place where God knows He has you fully. That's a good place to be. Don't be afraid of tears, don't be afraid of brokenness. Don't don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit taking hold of you in such a way that it rattles you, that God moves upon you in such a way that you're up at night and you're riveted and all of a sudden you 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 become aware of the walls that you worked so hard to build. All of a sudden they're melting like wax at the presence of God and God is saying, "Son or daughter, I want you to look at this. And I want you to be broken and I want you to be moved." And I want you to let this hurt. Let it hurt. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 1. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says, if only my head were a pool of water and my eyes were a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all of my people who have been slaughtered. If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes were a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all of my people who have been slaughtered. I was thinking about this verse today, and I was thinking right now, if we could all go to the 9-11 memorial, and if we stood at the base of where the Twin Towers used to stand, what would you be doing you and I would be looking down, and we would, be, we would be finding just standing roses alone, stuck through names. We would be reading names together. Reading names together. Reading names together. We would be broken. We can't even begin to fathom. The destinies that had no names attached to them. We can't even begin to fathom the names, the names, the endless list of over 60 million names that were snuffed out. The church is going to respond right in this hour. I believe it. The church is going to respond right in this hour. And I believe that authority and power is going to come from a place of brokenness. We're going to speak right. We're going to speak with truth. We're going to speak with compassion. We're going to speak with love. But it's going to be anchored out of a place of genuine brokenness. I hope you can receive this tonight. It seems like right now, it seems like, and that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It seems like America's walls have been completely broken down and our gates of authority have been burned to the ground. It seems like every vile and evil abomination is flooding in and taking captive whoever it wishes. But God right now, He is searching for righteous men and women to stand in the gap. He is looking for righteous men and women to stand with Him for the very soul, for the very destiny of the United States of America. In the book of Ezekiel, God sought for a man. And Israel's sins and their, their wickedness was so raging at this time. And God wanted to avert judgment. You find this in Ezekiel chapter 22. God longed to avert judgment over his people. Israel was far from God. They were lewd. They were proud. You read this chapter and you find out the leaders, the leaders of Israel were literally ravenous wolves. They were abusing their God-given power. The leadership. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Are you still with me? Israel had forsaken God. They had grew so, so weak. And they were powerless. And now they were a laughing stock to the world. And he said to them in Ezekiel 22, in verse 4, he said, Therefore, I have made thee a reproach unto the heathen and a mocking to all countries. So this is what was going on. When you read Ezekiel 22, put it in your notes and read it this week. Will you, you do that? Put it in your notes. Read it this week, Ezekiel 22. Here's the snapshot. Israel's idolatry and bloodshed was unprecedented. They had corruption of institutions. All of this is going to sound very familiar. Corruption of institutions and pillars of government were completely immoral, and corrupt. Mothers and fathers were forsaking their own children. This is what God was crying out against through Ezekiel. He always had to raise up prophets to say, no, no, thus far, no more. They had corruption in business. They had corruption in taxes. And see, listen to this. God was watching. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God is not an indifferent bystander. Nothing is getting past God. You understand that? Nothing, Hollywood can act and act and act all they want. They can do all their campaigns and be as blasphemous as they want. But let me tell you, it ain't getting past God. It ain't getting past God. So here, God is saying, God is Calling, he's raising Ezekiel up. He's like, you tell the people, I see what they're doing. I see the mothers and fathers forsaking their own children. I see their extortion. I see their greed. I see their immorality. I see their corrupted leadership. He goes on, he says that the land was defiled because of all of these sins. Listen to that. The land was defiled. Because of all of their sins. Hear that. The land was defiled because of all of these sins. Let your, let your mind just do a jump. I remember years ago, I was in such anguish and pain, praying in our home outside of Cincinnati. And I said, God, I'm in such a struggle. I don't understand. I'm, I'm burdened with this call of being revivalist. And being a revivalist, and I don't understand, how can you send mercy? How can you send mercy to this nation? When I looked and saw the blood crying out from the ground, from the abortions of millions and millions of babies, until I heard the word of the Lord in prayer, and He said, my son's blood cries Louder. He said, the blood of my son who was crucified in Jerusalem, his blood cries louder, and Brian, his blood cries mercy and forgiveness and deliverance. And that's when I had the authority to then take another microphone or a stage to step into my calling and declare that God is a good God. He's a merciful God who longs to avert judgment. Remember weeks ago, we, we went to Caesarea Philippi together in a message. And when Jesus took the disciples to Caesarea Philippi, they went to a place where there was an altar built for Pan, an altar built for Zeus, an altar built for Baal, where they were sacrificing children To these false gods and pouring, slitting their bodies and pouring their blood into the river so that it would do what? So that it would defile the land. We gotta wake up, folks, that witchcraft is very real. It's very real. It's happening right now in 2019. So the land was defiled. The priests were distorting God's word. Literally, the priests, oh my gosh, I can't get sidetracked. The priests had distorted the word of God so bad they were leading the nation of Israel into error. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? It's crazy the stuff that's coming across the pulpits of America. No urgency. People putting foo-foo on donuts, sprinkles, and saints leave with an inspired message and no reality, no reality of the hour, no reality of the day. Scary stuff, scary stuff. God did not want to send judgment to Israel. He did not. He wanted to avert it by sending mercy. So what did he do? What did he do? He looked for a man. That's what God does. When God's going to fix something in the earth. No, no, it's not, it's not, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. He already rend the heavens and came down. Did you hear what I said? And it's not rend the heavens and come down. He's already come down. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But now who has he given authority and charge to? He looks for a man. He looks for a woman. He looks for his ambassadors. He looks for his messengers. He looks for the burning souls. He looks for the burning hearts. He looks for those that are in the secret place inquiring of God, saying, God, I want to be brave enough to pray a prayer. Lay your heart on mine and let me feel it. Let me feel it. And let me not be afraid of this. So he looked for a man in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. This is what it says. Ezekiel twenty-two, thirty. 30. It says, I look for a man, for someone who might rebuild the walls of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. gosh. I found no one. Listen to this scripture. God says the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. Are you still with me? Are you still with me for real? 5 verse 1. He says, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Are we there? Yeah, we're there. Good. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if I can find a man. If there is anyone who executes justice or judgment, excuse me, executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. Notice that. God is saying, I will pardon an entire nation. I will pardon an entire nation if just one can stand In the gap, I've got good news. I saw 59,000 last Saturday standing in that place in Orlando, Florida. I saw 59,000 lift their shoes to God and say, God, here am I. Send me. Make me your ambassador. Make me your messenger. Fill me with fire. Fill me with your vision. And I will go. I will go. I'm telling you, the church is answering. And we are part of the answer. And we are part of the solution in this hour. And I know the company of people that I keep. I know the people who pray in this church, this family called Victory. I know you are the company that says, God, here am I, send me, use me, send me, use me. God is still looking for men and women to build the walls, to stand in the gap. How many of you remember the Marine Corps? They used to say that we are looking just for a few good men. How many of you remember that slogan? We are looking for a few good men. You see, the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro upon the earth, seeking whose hearts are loyal unto him. Hear this tonight. The eyes of the Lord, they roam to and fro upon the whole earth. This is scripture I'm quoting. And they scan the whole earth, and he says, I look for a people, a person who I can show myself, who is loyal unto me, I can show myself mighty and powerful through them. God looks at you different than you look at yourself. He sees you mighty. He sees you powerful. He sees you clothed in His anointing. He knows what He's invested in you. He knows what he's put inside of you. He's watched over his word in you to perform it. He's watched over his word in you to perform it. He's watching over his word for America to perform it. And he's looking for those hearts that are loyal unto him, that he can show himself mighty through them to become a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God in this hour for this generation. You and I are the Reformation generation. Revival looks like abortion being abolished in America. Revival and awakening looks like the Supreme Court being cleansed and purged and purified, that that gate is literally purified. Revival and awakening looks like righteousness and justice coming back to honor God. I remember when President Trump said that he would be the law and order president. I sure like that. And I will tell you that in the midst of a lawless generation, we need law and order. We need instruction. We need boundaries. We need borders. I'm talking spiritually, emotionally, nationally, physically. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I remember being rebuked in that room at a mega church. I was told that I was being political. I was told that I was moving into a political spirit. Because I was willing to speak about abortion and homosexuality in this hour and many other things, I was told I was being political. I said, no, you're wrong. I'm being prophetic, I'm not being political. These are not political issues, these are biblical and moral issues. We have to be clear because people walk into victory and they're not, they're not sure what they walked into. It wasn't a month ago we had a guy while we were praying for our president and praying for, you know, angels to be put on the southern border to minister to our security team. That a man was jumping up and flipping all of us off and flipping me off. People aren't sure what they're walking into. You need to understand we should not be an anomaly. We should not be an anomaly when people come in and we are speaking biblical moral clarity to the hour and make no apology for it. Make no, this is not a Republican thing. It's not a Democratic thing. This is a biblical thing. This is a biblical issue. It is an abomination unto God. But on our watch, I believe we're going to see it be completely abolished. I believe it. We're going to close with a scripture that we've prayed a gazillion times. <laughs> and that's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You're going to see it on the screen. And the words ring true in this hour, ladies and gentlemen. What does revival look like? This is what it looks like. Read it. Declare it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's good news. That's good news. May God sweep us up. Amen, go ahead, go ahead. May God sweep us up into His word and into His dream for America. God loves to forgive sins. Darling Kaus, does God love to forgive sin? Brent Gibbs, does Jesus want to heal our land? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He wants to forgive our sins. He wants to smile upon us. How many of you believe, don't shout, this is not for pom-poms and high kicking. How many of you believe that with God all things are possible? With God, all things are possible. When I released Bold as Lions, I had a a man rebuke me. (laughs) He said, how dare you say this is an hour of transcendence. That there's limitless possibilities of what God can do. And I said, Well, it's simple because it's based on the word of God that says all things are possible to them that believe. Can our heart and can our heart and our mind be renewed. Can we get renewed to the fact that God can bring a historic course correction to America? I ask you, I ask you to wrestle with it. I ask you, could America's debt of 22 trillion dollars be erased? I ask you, What is possible? Could Planned Parenthood, could all of their real estate be shut down coast to coast? Could it happen that all federal funding backing it could literally be taken out of its reservoirs? dream with God pray with God pray with the Holy Spirit believe be fierce in your prayer be strong be powerful in your prayers be powerful in your declarations over the United States of America be powerful and diligent and faithful in your declarations over our president over our military are you hearing me Victory! you guys are watchmen. You guys are watchmen. You're warriors. You're worshipers. Look at you go. <laughs> you're worshipers. The burning hearts of this church. You're, it's just magnificent. Bren and I say all the time, my gosh, the best people ever are right here in victory. It's amazing. You're worshipers, but you're warriors and you're watchmen. Let's be vigilant on our watch. Let's be sober. Let's be a, a voice. Let's be a mouthpiece for God. Let's speak courageously. Let's not be silent. Amen. Would you lift your hands? It's been a joy to preach in here tonight. <laughs> really, it's been a joy to preach in here tonight. I'm so happy you're here. Honey, would you just join me, please? Just lift your eyes to heaven tonight and your hands to heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are commissioned as God's ambassadors and God's messengers. You are His anointed ones. You are His anointed ones. His favor rests on you. His counsel, His wisdom, His heart and mind, His revelation. Ha, ha his wisdom you are his son and daughter you are his answer you are his solution you are blessed and you are so loved. So tonight I say we say go go may the Lord send you from this house this week may you be impactful may you be impactful May you share the power of the Gospel. May you declare the glory of the Gospel. May you be fearless. And even if you feel fear, let the Lord bulldoze it for you. Even when you feel insecure, let Him bulldoze it for you. He is your way maker. I heard Donna's tambourine tonight, pick that up Donna. I heard that tambourine, I was standing over here, yeah, and suddenly I could just see Miriam on the other side of the Red Sea, and the sea was shut, and Pharaoh and all the enemies were drowned, and Miriam and the mighty women of God, they picked up their tambourine, and they began to dance and sing and declare. How the Lord had drowned their enemies in the midst of the Red Sea. And they began to rejoice over their enemies. Who is our God? He is the way maker. Where there looks like there's no way for you. My friends, where there looks like there's no way for you, God will blow open the way for you. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will open up your Red Sea for you. He will make a way for you. And he will also watch you enjoy the punishment of your enemies who tormented you. In Jesus' name, we declare you blessed. We declare you blessed. Victory, we declare you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at VictoryFLA.com.